Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to this latest vodcast. And this, I have a feeling, is going to be three parts. And this is going to be on deep learning, what you need to know as a radiologist. And I just came back from Rad AIM. We spoke about this on uh, our Facebook Live in Australia. And this was one of the talks they asked me to give. And so I put a lot of effort getting it together, and I thought I would share it with you. Now, we've spoken a little bit about deep learning before, but I think this is really going to push us forward into what we know. And there's no doubt the area of deep learning and artificial intelligence is really front and center. Whether you're in the US or you're in China or you're in Australia, everyone wants to know how this is going to impact radiology and maybe more importantly how this is going to impact them and their job. And that's true whether you're a radiologist or a technologist or a nurse. So we're going to try to look at some of those things. We're not going to do formulas. I'm going to say formulas for a different day. If you look at healthcare in general, there's no doubt AI is changing everything. I cannot read a magazine or a newspaper or a day go by where I don't see a few articles on what AI is changing and making better. Quicker diagnoses, better treatment, improved insurance. We talk about the watches where machine learning can watch you all the time. Apple's coming out with a new watch. October 2019 that will take things to a new level. We're talking about machine learning for other monitors. We're talking about the machine learning on Alexa, which allows patients to communicate in a critical way. We talk about doing imaging better. We talk about uh, describing and selecting medications. We talk about how AI can look at tumors and decide what the best treatment plan is for a patient, which specific therapy. We're talking about revolutionizing every single step of the healthcare process. Now, it's not just healthcare, so that's no surprise. And here's just several industries retail, utilities, manufacturing, education. In healthcare, when you look, you talk about savings, $300 billion in the U.S. using machine learning for population healthcare forecasting. You talk about up to a 50% productivity for nursing. You talk about decreasing expenditures. You talk about extending life up to 1.3 years just by using AI and getting better drugs and using the right drugs and the right patients. So every single step of every single thing we do in healthcare can be approved. And you can see again, it's not just healthcare, it's every industry and things that we haven't been able to do, like predicting risk better, automating and optimizing hospital operations. We know that most hospitals operate like it's the 1930s. We need to be in the 2130s, not in the 1930s. We need to be able to predict response. We need to have better risk reduction. We need more accuracy. We need to give our patients the best of all possible worlds. We need to have, whether it's virtual agents or precision medicine, and I hate all those terms that make it sound like you're doing something important, but we need to do something important. Now, medicine is a slow adopter. That's how medicine is. Healthcare is just slow compared to high tech or automotive. The thing about early adopters, they're digitally mature, we're not. They're larger businesses, we are. We're slow to adopt things in core activities, and we're slow to adopt almost any technology. And there's also corporate support at the C-level for AI. And most of those things you really don't see in healthcare. You see lots and lots of hand-waving. 
Now, the reason we have no choice, and I've said this before, is error rates reported up to 30%. We're getting paid and we're still 30% inaccurate. Well, at the end of the day, patient safety, our own conscience, we need to do better. And algorithms, as they say, need no sleep. They're the same vigilance as 2 a.m., as 9 a.m., and they can monitor significant amounts of information and data and learn. And it's not just radiology, be it pathology or anesthesiology or critical care. These disruptions are not like many disruptions would take decades. This is going to be measured in years. And if you look at Google, they want to measure it in days. And if you look at some of the things that are coming along in radiology, there are algorithms now from Google, from DeepMind, that you can read an x-ray better than a radiologist. You can pick up pneumonia, pneumothorax, and everything else. In this article by Jung Gang Nam in radiology, they developed the deep learning algorithm to detect malignant pulmonary nodules on chest radiographs. They compared it to expert physicians, and it did better than the physicians. And the conclusion was it would enhance physicians' performance when used as a second reader. Summary, our deep learning-based automated detection algorithm outperformed physicians in radiograph classification and nodule detection. And when used as a second reader, enhanced physicians' performances. And when you look at the summary in radiology, again, when accompanied by our deep learning-based automatic detection algorithm, all physicians improve their nodule detection performances. What is bad about that? That's just amazing. You look about this article in JAMA, Development and Validation of a Deep Learning-Based Algorithm for Detecting Major Thoracic Diseases. We're not talking just looking for nodules. We're talking about everything. In this article, they looked at neoplasms, TB, pneumonia, pneumothorax. And guess what? The algorithm consistently outperformed physicians, including thoracic radiologists, in the determination of chest radiographs, which major thoracic diseases. Okay, think about that. And if you think about the key points, a radiology does this very nice thing about key points. What it really means, at the end of the day, they trained on 54,221 chest radiographs that were normal, 35,613 that were abnormal. A quick look at that, that's 90,000. But the meaning, okay, what does it all mean? A deep learning algorithm may help improve diagnostic accuracy in reading chest radiographs and assist in prioritizing chest radiographs, thereby increasing workflow efficiency. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, that means the computer can look at all the images coming in and the ones that are at They can look for pneumothoraces. They can look for the PEs, potentially. They can look for pneumonias. Move it to the front of the list so you read it today instead of tomorrow. You read it now and not eight hours from now. Or if you're in England, you read it now instead of two months from now. Impressive work. Again, um, the change in workflow will be total to what we do, right? Because now you're predicting what's abnormal. You're going to triage the patients to the front of the list. You're going to do things correctly, and you're going to make us more efficient, but more importantly, or equally important, but really more important, improve patient care. Now, I also looked at the state of AI in radiology per FDA. Now, I gave a little talk on that a few months ago. What I've noticed is the approvals, limited scope. So they don't approve fractures. They approve risk fractures. They're, right now, they're improving triage, right? So 
if the patient has a bleed, they're not saying the computer's reading the bleed, they're saying the computer's suggesting a bleed, and instead of reading the study an hour from now, you read it right now. So even if the computer was wrong, there's no harm because you have to read it anyway. And also you can see it's small companies, not the, the slow monsters like Siemens, Philips, GE, Toshiba, Canon, you name them. And here's a nice graphic, and you can see this in more detail if you look at uh, CTSS in our teaching file areas and our pearls area. But this shows all of the FDA approvals through this current month. And there's about 30-ish here, and about 16 of them were in radiology. And here's just some of them that were approved. But you can see stroke diagnosis, brain bleed, MR heart interpretation, calcium scoring. So you can see radiology is truly at the forefront of what's getting approved by the FDA. And it's interesting. So here's one that was approved. It's called OsteoDetect. This is for looking at wrist fractures on plane films. Not elbow fractures, not shoulder fractures, only wrist fractures. It was in the 93% or so accuracy rate, but it was better than an ER doc, better than a regular physician, and it wasn't perfect, and it wasn't meant to replace a radiologist, but it would point to where fractures were, and it improved the capability of the treating physician. And yes, it would be great if a radiologist was always available, but in many hospitals they're not, and clinics they're not, and this makes all the difference in the world. And yes, it is an adjunct tool and is not intended to replace the clinician's review of the radiograph or his or her clinical judgment. But when all is said and done, this is going to help. Now that was the wrist. Now there's an article from Special Surgery New York, Lindsay, lead author. They looked at 135,845 radiographs of various body parts. They looked for fractures, okay? And they looked at non-wrist body parts with the maximum number of radiographs was the shoulder with 26,000 and the spine only 885. They developed algorithms predicting the presence of fracture in all parts of the body. And what they found is it wasn't just the wrist and it wasn't just it was better than an ER doc or a non-radiologist. They were able to train this and have the results that the second opinion was as good as an expert radiologist. We demonstrate that when emergency medicine clinicians are provided with the assistance of the trained model, their ability to accurately detect fractures significantly improves. Think how important that's going to be. And then, the again, that second reader, because this was not just good as a radiologist, this was as good as a senior subspecialized expert, and that is indeed impressive. Now, one of the things I also have spoken about previously was detecting intracranial bleed. And here's the FDA approval for, for ADOC for looking for hemorrhage. It's a very nice application because what it does is, it's called briefcase, it triages patients. We're not saying, okay, uh, the computer was right, the computer was wrong. We're saying that it looks at every x-ray coming in, every CT of the brain, and moves to the front anything where it suspects a bleed. Now, you don't want it to be super sensitive. I mean, you, you, don't, you want it to be super sensitive so that at times it's going to be falsely positive. But on, you're going to have to read the study anyway, so now you're saving 35 or 40 minutes. And in the cases where it's positive, that can affect the patient's outcome substantially. And these are some slides from AI Doc. It shows up on your PAC system. So you're looking at your list, and it says, look at this one in red. This is the thing you need to look at now. And this article by Ojada, using this in practice, 
and it had incredible specificity, sensitivity, and accuracy. And in their practice, they found that this helped triage patients. This can lead to a decrease in delay in diagnosis. It also helps the physicians be more accurate because in many cases, the radiologist didn't pick up the site of bleed until the computer suggested it. And it's not just them, but there's a company called Zebra Medical. They also have this brain alert for looking at bleeds. And then there's things like pneumothoraces. Again, Zebra Medical, looking for basic pneumothorax attention. And PEs on CT by ADOC for looking and detecting PEs, where it suggests where the PEs are. Now, ADOC is a small company, but they're thinking the right way. They're thinking about how do you improve both diagnosis and time and cost. And their workflow, AI analyzes the exam, detects the abnormality, finds something, prioritizes the case, highlights the abnormality, the radiology, reads it, boom, faster and more accurate. And this idea of prioritizing is just incredibly good patient care. There is no one against prioritizing. And if you look at AI again, these were some slides they gave us. Neuropackage, bone, abdomen, chest, you can see what's approved in green and what's pending. The point is what they're looking at are things that are acute. And again, it's triaging at this point. It's not making the diagnosis, it's triaging. And their big three, which I agree with, helping reduce misdetection, prioritizing urgent cases, and improving throughput. And if you do all that, it's a tremendous cost savings and better patient care. When do you get cost effectiveness and better care? Usually you save money and you do crappy work. Or you do crappy work and you save money. This is the best of all worlds. Now you can see what's happening now with the FDA. They're targeting apps that are very focused. We're not saying the chest. We're not saying the abdomen. We're not saying CT. We're not saying plain film. We're saying bleed on the brain. We're saying PE. So very focused things. And also, again, it's not replacing the radiologist. It's supplementing the radiologist. It's triaging. It's doing all things that are easy to say, this is terrific, without any of the concern. Now, if you look at what we're doing, we're doing a similar thing. We're doing pancreas. We're not doing liver. We're not doing kidney. We're doing pancreas. Can we detect pancreatic pathology, specifically pancreatic cancer? We know that up to 30% of patients, it's missed initially. Can we pick it up early when it's resectable? We don't want to have the patient come back. We change the diagnosis. We change the staging. We need to detect the right patient early. And it's not just our results in our multidisciplinary clinic, but other places like this article by Chingo. Again, no change was seen in 61% of pancreatic cancer cases, which means that in 38.5% changes were made in the management or diagnosis. Now, people have tried to do things, this article by Al-Hawari, and we talked about how we could have a consensus for how to report things. And that made a lot of sense, but not that many people have adopted it. Remember, we said dual phase and 3D imaging on everyone for staging pancreatic cancer. That's still a rarity. Now, what we try to do is, how do we use the computer again? How do you use the computer to make up for human limitations? And so we spoke a little bit about this before, but let me remind you, the first year we took over a thousand normal cases and we trained the computer 
to read normal. We had the segmentation software. We have five people working, uh, doing about uh, a case every three to four hours. The computer is trained on the variations of shape, the adjacent structures, vessels, and organs. And we have 3D maps of that. And we do supervised learning, where we teach the computer everything, because we thought that would be the best way to make the computer most accurate. It's time consuming, it's slow, it's painful. But we have five people and three of us do the checking. And so when you look at the results, annotation is us and the prediction is the computer. It's one to one. Or in this case where the portal vein and SMV show up and splenic vein, look how the computer program recognizes its exact borders. And when you look, we've taught the computer to recognize everything in the abdomen. We know someday we'll do kidneys, someday we'll do liver, but the point is, and our experience is if you could recognize everything else, you'll know where the pancreas is. So it's really, can we optimize detection of things? And you can see our dice scores, which are our accuracy scores, are better than anyone else published. And on the Johns Hopkins data set, it's particularly good. And although we're focusing on the pancreas, our results from other organs, particularly impressive, not a great surprise, kidney, spleen, and uh, liver in terms of recognizing. And we just published this article that basically looks at all of our findings. We then looked at cancer patients. Again, same tedious work, outlining and then detecting the tumors, looking at the liver, then isolating the normal and the abnormal, knowing precisely what is going on. We look at the ability to recognize tumor. That's one of the challenges. Tumors are different location, different sizes, different appearance, different vascularity, but we've trained the computer to recognize it. So here you can see very nicely the computer. Red is the patient's tumor, uh, purple is the pancreas, and green or turquoise is the duct. And look how nicely you see it. And look how nicely you can predict these small tumors under a CM, under a 2CM, and about 2CM. Look how nicely the computer can pick up all of these tumors and also recognize with sharp demarcation the patient's pancreatic gland. And when all was said and done, our accuracy was approaching 95% sensitivity and 98% specificity. Indeed, very impressive. And so when you look at more cases from CT through ground truth to prediction to overlay showing the tumor, you can see we're really good at bigger tumors, or in this case, a smaller tumor in the tail of the pancreas. You can see how accurate the computer algorithm is for being able to label the cases. So here you can see very nicely, the purple is the pancreas, the red is the tumor. You see it on the image, what our labelers said, what single phase and what multi-phase CT showed. Very, very nice correlation of those findings and indeed very impressive accuracy. And here's just one more example. Now, doing this has taken us almost three years to get a lot of the stuff I'm going to show you done. But we are doing it. So let's do this. Time is running a little bit late. Let's pick up from this slide. And let's tell you a little bit more about what we've done and where we're going. And then we'll continue on from there. Thanks very much. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctisus.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.